Hey, welcome into the Coach Bodo's podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Usually we're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios, but today we have a very special episode for episode 48.5. We are live in Denver. We're actually at our wonderful, wonderful co-host Ellen Wiginter's home. So, uh, as always, on the point five, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bodo's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, even after a surgery, but even a greater mind, our co-host, Ellen Wingenter. Say hello. What's going on? We played golf today. We did. And then we have one more guest in here. We're going to do this a three-way today. And we have <laughs> Uncle Rico in the house. So, How's hey, it going? Hey, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> so, hey, we got three of us here. We're going to have a little fun. If you uh, haven't picked up, we've all been had a few drinks today. We've all been playing golf. We're all extremely sweaty, but we honestly, we're just fantastic because usually I'm the only one who's had drinks on the pod. Yeah, I usually don't drink when we're recording, but so. And right now I'm not drinking because I do have. Fairness, I drink after the pod because I'm commiserating my terrible performance. You're always good. You're always good, Ricardo. Both of you are always good. So you still lead the pack. Yeah. So, so uh, what we're going to talk, we're just going to do a couple of random subjects, and we're going to kind of have some fun with this today. So, we're going to talk a couple things. Let's so start out, one of the biggest news of the day, as we're recording this Thursday evening, is Brittany Griner. Well, uh, it's Wednesday evening. It's Wednesday. I'm sorry. You're right. See, all my, I'm at a, I've been at a conference all weekend and all week. I'm all fucked up. know what day it is today. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about Brittany Griner for a minute, because... The State Department is working with, to try to bring Brittany Griner home. Yeah. And we've got a situation where they're looking to make a deal. And Tell that's us. that's kind of been the whole thing since everyone figured out that she had been detained. Yeah. Um, obviously, she was a prime target for Russia. Uh, I think they probably targeted her prior to the invasion into Ukraine so that made it even most more interesting just because of the fact that we didn't find out about it until a month month and a half after she had been detained and so she had a hearing today and my understanding is is that she had basically admitted to the fact that she had packed hurriedly trying to you know, get out of the country or whatnot and had packed contraband and was like, yo, I'm sorry. And she's been held since February for something that was, and she claims she's like, I don't think I did this, but if I did, it was because it was in a hurried event. Um, and Russia, the government, is known for going ahead and laying this shit down on people and trumping up uh, charges against them. Yes. So Yes, political right. um, assets. Right. So it's, I mean, between this and them pulling uh, natural gas... <laughs> From Germany and that kind of thing that they're ratcheting down kind of other uh, assets that they can. 
I'm curious how this will play out. So have you heard more about what's going on about this? The deal they're working on right now is to bring home Brittany Griner and um, another jailed American, Paul Whelan. Okay. The Russians have asked for Victor Bout, who's a convicted arms dealer. So he's the dude that's yeah. been in... We've had... we The U.S. has had him... In custody for a very long time he's been a very bad dude but my understanding is is that he's served at least half of his determined prison term yeah okay. and he's convicted of aiding and abetting terrorism is what it's, it's something about aiding and abetting some kind of terrorism. So, caught air, whatever you know so Brittany Griner has uh, pled guilty which okay. is the first thing you have to do. Yep. And, um, and and I heard a great podcast. Now, I think it was Marshall and Oran. I may be wrong on that. I was trying to look that up a moment ago. Um, that broke down all of this. And mm -hmm. it said that, hey, she's got to plead guilty. They've got to convict her. It's okay. something in Russia. It's like 99% of people who are um, who are charged yes. and brought to court are, are convicted. Yes. And so it, they have to convict her. They have to basically do the bureaucratic pieces of this, yep. which can take months. Right. So it looks like, and that's why, like, um, the Griner family, the family, her parents, her significant her other, her wife, yeah. have they have not been pressuring President Biden on this because they've been counseled by someone. Okay. There's a, it's the former governor of... New I Mexico. I believe you're right. Who actually does and handles all this. Yeah. For Americans. Yep. And um, he was the one who's spoken with, you know, inter channels back in Russia. Mm -hmm. And the official stuff really hasn't been done. Now we're seeing something official. Okay. Uh, what I was led to believe when I was listening to something Saturday was if we see him go over. Okay. That that's when we're going to see Grinder coming back. Okay, because I think that was the case, because uh, it's uh, Richardson, I think, something along those lines. Name's probably wrong. Yeah, and I don't have it in front of me either. Uh, but yeah, he is a former governor yeah. of New Mexico and has been a key ally relative yeah. to uh, situations, especially in Russia. Yes, and he his, his entire business now as an attorney and what he does is yeah. these sort of negotiations. And so I, I found the whole thing interesting. It's you know, it's one of those things where obviously if you were Brittany Grenner's family, you'd be like, Oh my god, oh my god, let's get her home. Sure. And you and you get you would think you get pissed. What is Biden doing? What is yeah. you know, our government doing? They, they this is a big deal. Um, you know, and then there was a big thing like this a couple weeks ago where even LeBron James said something saying, Hey, if this were me out there They'd be handling this different. Well, and even the WNBA All-Star game where yeah. they all like they all were pretty bad jerseys. Yeah. You know, it's there's a lot of shit that we don't know because it's not forward-facing to the American public. And I get that. And I also appreciate that she and her family are scared as hell. Yeah, absolutely. Because she is gay. Yes, and that's a big, that's against the law. She's black, yeah. she has her wife, and all of this 
could be compounded upon her and it sucks when you don't i fortunately <laughs> am not connected to anyone who has any kind of thing that would be tied in relatively close to any of this but it's gotta be scary as fuck yeah like can you imagine jen i thought about that when i was driving out or here Peyton. That. yeah and thinking what would you do if your spouse if in my case my wife was taken yeah i like, just i don't know how I would want, I would think that my brain would be focused on that 24 hours a day and I probably wouldn't have much patience. I can only think of it relative to my son. Yeah. But it's fucked up. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about when it came to all this was I thought about the sports piece of it. Yeah. The WNBA piece. The women's play. My thought was, you know, that like Brittany Griner's case, she makes a quarter of a million dollars right now a year playing in the WNBA. Which is basically nothing. Yeah. But she plays a, she gets a million dollars in Russia. Which is the huge, yeah. the big thing with female basketball yeah. players. And a lot of them play because Russian oligarchs own the teams yep. and there's a lot of suspected money laundering going of course. through those. Yep. Um, now, the WNBA has put in a rule now okay, stating that players cannot be late to training camp because of commitments in other countries. So is that why she was trying to hustle back? Yes. Okay. Now, the commissioner of the WNBA also said they're hoping to work with the NBA to have more funding to be able to pay those players more. But players are going to places like Russia, um, other other countries that are just... That will actually to, play them. They'll actually pay, pay them, them and, to and, play. And so it, it's something where, I mean, some of these women are making 75000 or even less yeah. to play here, but they can go over to Europe and make three or four times that. Right. like For a, a portion of the year. And it, it's a shame that we have to see that and... I would hope the WNBA would do a better job in paying those ladies. There's plenty of money when you figure the WNBA is an entity of the NBA. I would think so. I don't know but how the flow through yeah, is. Yeah, the, the players' associations is the issue because you you know when you have yeah, what's the CBA and what the CBA and you know that salaries in an NBA or like the NFL and Major League Baseball and everything are tied to a percentage of overall revenue. Right. So how are they, are they going to split a portion of that revenue? Would that be divided equally amongst the WNBA teams? And what about the teams that aren't tied to NBA cities? Because yeah. there are some WNBA teams that aren't, yeah, well, they're, I they're, believe. Yeah, and some are owned by some of the same owners and some aren't. There are some haves and have-nots there. Okay. Um, so I just find it's going to all be interesting. I want to see what happens and see... Does this situation change and even maybe even the NBA PA come out and say, hey, let's go look back at the, at, the, at our CBA yep. and let's figure out something to help these ladies? Um, I think that could happen, and I'll tell you why I think it could happen. Because the most powerful man in the NBA is LeBron James, and he's talking about it. No, I think that is very fascinating and a smart take to say, hey... These ladies, we are trying to support and promote yeah. the WNBA. If we want to truly promote them, then 
you go ahead and say, okay, these are the things that we can do. These are the things that we can compromise on, share revenues, those things, this, that, and the other, that these women and folks don't feel like that they have to go to Russia, Europe, wherever to go play in the off season just to make ends meet. Because it's, I think, could be wrong, I'm happy to take it back, but akin to minor league baseball players who are also dealing with their own shit of just trying to... you kind of living through an opportunity. Exactly. They're doing what they love, but they can't do it all. All right, next subject we got here. This one just came to my attention. And we're going to have some fun on this because right. we know where I stand on this. And I, I'm very vocal about the vote uh, the vote in coming up on August 2nd mm-hmm. in Kansas. Harrison Bucker, the kicker of the Kansas City Chiefs, has put out, has been in an ad for Vote Yes. And I just saw the ad and just saw some things. This is problematic. First off, he introduces himself. He says, I'm the kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. He and mentions the Chiefs by name. Yep. So now we've got a player, which, look, he has the right to be an asshole. He and, does. And, and have his beliefs. Yep. I don't like his beliefs. He can go fuck himself on that as far as I'm concerned. But he has the right to have the beliefs. He's an anti-vaxxer. He's vaxxer. also an anti-vaxxer. Yep. And he was against getting the vaccine. Now, the issue to me here is that how does this look? To the Kansas City Chiefs. So it looks shitty, especially because he's not registered to vote in Kansas. No, he's not. So, um, listen, I am a female. I am 45. I want to have the option to be able to say, you know what? This situation is not good for me. I want folks who are 16 or hell. Let's go back to Ohio or Indiana. Let's go back to 10-year-olds who have the option to say that it is not right for them. Because if you're going to come on through and say, hey, (coughs) yo, no vaccine for me because it's my body, my choice, you can step the fuck off on saying... Anything else to a female relative to her body autonomy. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing about it also is that, and obviously I'm not a woman. I have a wife. I have friends who have daughters. I have You have a son who could make someone Who could knock somebody up, absolutely. Where my thing is here, and I'm a vote no person. I've been very clear on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I talk. I say that every day at the end of the podcast. Yes, well, you should. And my whole piece of it is that I think these bills and these these ideas are about control. Oh, they absolutely are. They're about getting you to line up and form around someone else's perceived values. No, it, it it's not someone's. It's a cultural perception that. Yeah. No one can make up their own mind, and so therefore we have to make yeah. their mind up for them. Yeah. 
it, it, this is something that shouldn't be legislated. This is something that we should have a freedom to do with, women should have a freedom to do with their bodies if they want to do. You know what? If this were the other way around and you said, <laughs> hey, men have got to get a vasectomy at a certain age, boy, that shit wouldn't fly. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, let's it's get... covered by insurance. Let... You, you did? Well, that's a good point. It, you're work... right. Yeah, because no, think absolutely. Things like Viagra and these sort of things are covered by insurance. It is, it is solely at the point of women not being able to make a choice that it becomes an issue. Yeah. So, dudes being forced to vasectomy, being forced to male contraception, that's never going to fucking happen in the United States because puritanical society that revolves around us is trying to take their value system and their beliefs, their religious beliefs, and project them on people who don't believe or follow those same beliefs. Absolutely. And that's not what this country is founded. When someone says to me, this is a Christian country founded on Christian values, I really want to slap the shit out of it. I fully agree on that. Because that's not at all what this country is about. This country was founded as a place where we could all have our own freedoms. Well. <laughs> and unfortunately. No, no, no. Well, I know where you're going. Let me, let me phrase it. Because I think at the beginning it was men. It, it was no. white men and property owners. And, and, and women were counted out. And our black and brown friends have been counted out. And then we had to have special laws put into place just for them. So spare me a lot of the whole... This is a Christian country with Christian values. It's not a Christian country. (laughs) It is a puritanical country. Yeah, but I think that's a small minority who are vocal. The Puritans came over and set shit up, which kind of came and waterfalled into everything else. And I... The puritanical nonsense, which continues to reside... 2,500, you know, 250 years later, it's nonsense. Women can make their own decisions. Yeah. We are smart enough. We own property. We can do things. Yeah. Men can choose to not be assholes. Yeah. They can choose to do things. People of color can make their own decisions. Yes. Yeah. It, the Puritans, I'm sorry. The Puritans fucked us. Yeah. Period. Well, I always think of it this way. Because we can always look back at the people who are our founders, if you will, and say, boy, they really fucked some things up. And they certainly did. Sure. But what I always say, I go back to my mind, I've really gone through this in the last few years, mm-hmm. is you put political parties aside, you just say liberals and conservatives. If you go back to what our country is, is okay. When we fought the English. It was liberals who fought the who fought for our, our country to be founded. It was conservatives who were loyal to the crown. So. When we start talking about the foundation of this country, I find it ironic. I find it very ironic, actually, that when you talk about the the leaving of the old monarchy, two hundred plus years later, we're coming back to authoritarian rule. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. When we left an, a monarchy, an authoritarian rule 
for democracy because of the lack of representation, because of the lack of voice and and, and having that single-minded, one-sided rule. And now that's come back around as a, and I say this, semi-popular or a, you know, they don't seem to realize that what you're talking about is the very thing this country was founded against. Yeah. Well, and I think in its origination. Look, I think if you look at it in a day-to-day specter of people, I think more people in everyday life are what we would now refer to as left-leaning as opposed to right-leaning. The conservative voices are loud. Yes. But they're not as... They and and they have to be loud... And they have to get their people strong so they can vote because they're outnumbered. Right. Exactly. They represent the minority, but at the yeah. same time, they are the most vocal because they're mi- the minority. We know that the most of the country doesn't agree with all of this, and yet most of the country kind of goes ho-hum their day-to-day, because yes. they represent the majority. Yes. They don't acknowledge the threat the minority poses on things like yeah. August 2nd's vote. Yeah. So what's what's interesting, beyond the fact of just the commonality of, you can look at polling and see all this, it's the electoral college that really kind of fucks us all. Yes. I've been thinking that needed to be abolished a right? long time ago, and so, I agree it should be now, just like daylight savings time. So That's actually going away on it. I only passed in the house. And nah, it still had, waiting. Yeah, no, the Senate's not going to fuck with that. But the thing of it is, is the Electoral College represents a vast rural yeah. minority, yeah. which forces the vast majority of folks who are like, oh, okay, I want more progressive or at least inclusive legislation involves in all this and the January 6th commission has been something what I have liked about Liz Cheney is that she is throwing her political career away she doesn't she's just like here's the truth and here's what I like about what she's Mm -hmm. doing she's willing to take that hit because what it represents is it represents that she is the person from the right that we can have a normal political discourse with. Normal political discourse is part of what we should be. And unfortunately, it's like a mafia war now. Everybody goes to the mattresses. Yeah, Trump has made it basically a... This is it's you're with Trump. me or you're on the... It's, it's basically Sith oh, rules. Yeah. This you're with me or you're you're yeah. on the other side and regardless he, of your position. And this is longer than just Trump, too. Oh, yeah. This it's goes not to Republicans and the Obama. But it's been no. the right and, and really, really, it's, it's more than just a Donald Trump issue. And it's, yes. not, yeah, it's not new. It's not new. This he's just simply he's taken full advantage of this. Yeah, he's yeah. vaulted it to another level. Yeah. But it's not a new issue. No. And it's certainly not going away. Well, I just we're going to end, the, end this part on this, and that's that Harrison Bucker. So where does this leave the Chiefs yeah, relative to I, Bucker? I, I think the Chiefs are going to an issue here. You know, are there going to be is there going to be backlash from fans on this? There I, is. 
on social yeah, media there already. There has to be. I'm not a Chiefs fan, so, but I will say, you know, if it was my team, I'd be pretty pissed. No, there are. I'd be looking to trade him. He's a. When you have a player that gets in, generally the NFL likes to stay out of politics with its players. With its, it may as owners or ownership may support or donate or whatever, but it doesn't like its players getting political in front of the camera on ads on TV. It doesn't like it. So, how does this play? I it. But I don't think it plays well for the Chiefs because they're they don't. It's it's like anything else. Here's, if you throw your hat in that ring, they will pull the rest of you in. Here's the question: Do the Chiefs support Amendment Two in Kansas? That's the question. As that an is organization, the exactly. That's the question that has to be asked. And so, now that this ad is out, what is the rest? Because he used the name. If he just says, exactly. "I'm professional exactly. football player, professional kicker." Place kicker Harrison Bucker. He can say what he wants. I'm reminded of Miss Marvel. But if he's, if that's fine. He if he had right said his NFL. name, and I'm a kicker in the NFL, maybe the NFL gets involved. But here yeah. the Chiefs are named. He is, it's, he's saying it as if for recognition, but it comes across as almost I represent uh, yes. a Chief. Let me ask you. That's the, legal, the, ask that's the, the problem. Question. That's why they don't like it. Right, and I agree, and I understand question. that. How would this fit into something like the uh, the protections the NFL has? I'm not getting the wording right, but you know what I'm saying. I it's, have zero idea into the CBA and all that kind of yeah. stuff. What is fascinating to me is there would be some level of clearance from the Chiefs of Butker saying, hey... I'm the place kicker for the Chiefs because he names the Chiefs in the ad. And from the Chiefs' legal perspective, it's opening them up. Let me give you a contrast. Did anybody knock the Packers as much as they will now the Chiefs when Aaron Rodgers said he was immunized? Yes. Yeah. No, it's not Aaron Rodgers representing the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is his own name representing himself. In this case, it feels more like he's representing yes. the Chiefs than he's Absolutely. representing himself, the way it's laid out in and the that's, act. And that's, and that's a very different, those are two very different things. And that from is that the huge question is, all right, are you representing the Chiefs? Because if so, let's lay that out. All right. Last subject we're going to cover today. We talked about this already before we started this podcast. Oh, shit. And usually, you are not the two people I do wrestling talk with. No. But something Never. bigger than what happens on TV has happened. Vince McMahon has retired. Now, we are finding out this is a forced retirement. We're finding out he's got these lawsuits to come out. There's an investigation. We're finding that what has happened, what we found out in the last Wall Street Journal is... He fucked around and found out. Well, what we what specifically is the bad part here <laughs> is that these NDAs we talked about and him having affairs with some of these women, one was a a wrestler. None of that should fucking but matter. But here's it where doesn't. it matters. It's now being said that the money used for the NDAs in part were company funds. 
All of it was company funds. None of it was coming out of his bank account. Yeah. So he's now stepped aside. And what I want to ask, because I'm going to ask you two because you're not the diehard wrestling fan that I am. I have a different perspective. Now, I think Vince absolutely needed to be pushed out. I'm going to make that very clear before we get into it. In fairness, it's probably a decade too late. Well, creative-wise, yeah, we, I can talk all about that all night. That. Yeah. I don't want to bore the two of you with that. But what I do want to ask you both is outside fringe followers at all, is what is the legacy of Vince McMahon? Oh, God. Here we go. All right, Ricardo. <laughs> Here you are. Okay. As much as I would love for it to be the mistakes he's made along the path, I think the legacy of Vince McMahon is the creation and growth of the original WWF, now WWE, as an entity. Should it be included? Is his story going to include these mistakes and all of this happening? Yes. Is it the dominant story of his legacy? No. It I, is, I tend to agree with that. It is the creation, cultivation, and growth of the WWE to what it is now, what it was in the beginning, and his hand in making that happen. Should it be that way? Arguably, no. And that should be true of most people in his situation who have done some sordid things. It should be focused on the mistakes they've made, not the accomplishments they've had. But I think in this situation, the accomplishments in the overall public opinion is going to be what the WWE was in its origination and what it became. Okay, I, I tend to agree with what you're saying there. Now, there is a lot to unpack on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But not just the stuff that's currently happening. That's fucking horrible enough. There's business practices going back to when he bought his pair, his dad's business. There's business practices of what he did to the territories. There was the steroid trial. We didn't talk about that beforehand. No, we have not talked you know, about that. It's a lot of the things he's done by keeping wrestlers from unionizing. Oh, yeah. It's been another thing yep. that he's been attacked on. There is a very complicated legacy. And you, you're rolling your eyes, Ellen, because I know you're thinking that the legacy is different. In your eyes. Which I think it's going to be different for every person. No, and I think I fully understand that. I mean, it's... He was a master. Yeah. Yes. Um, he had a plantation of folks who worked for him that he locked down in contracts that were very one-sided and um, he manipulated probably in any myriad of degrees. I agree. And I understand the desire to kind of see him as someone who really blew up the former WWF, ACW, whatever it was, yeah. as things kind of built into each other. I think it is a complicated question. Yeah. And I don't think there's an answer that is going to be the answer for each of us. No. That we would all come to a 100% agreement on. I think you have to take the things that he's done that were, the, the, if you want to call it a net positive versus a net negative. I don't like those sure. terms, but I mean, I would say he's that he's... quite a bit net negative. What, what I would <laughs> say, I think one of his great legacies, honestly, 
I think he might be the greatest promoter of a last the last three or four generations. The of expansion of this brand has been ridiculous. I we were talking about this earlier. I did not watch WWF growing up. It wasn't until I was married, yeah. basically, that I was watching WWE at that point, yeah. and I learned the the plot lines similar to what I learned with my daytime dramas. Yeah. Um, it's a mo- it's a modern male soap opera. It right? is. Yeah. It was it was a soap opera that I didn't expect, and I could kind of tune in and tune out, and yet there were points. That I was like, oh, okay, just trying to figure out what's going on here yeah. and there. But the thing of it is, and it's probably the same with soap operas and media altogether. Yeah. And I, I would, I would honestly, I would love to sit down with Stephanie and sit down and be like, I thought you knew half of this, but did you know all of it? Well, I, so I watched SmackDown Friday night, and. Stephanie McMahon came out at the beginning of the show, tells they call the WWE other fans that, that Vince is retired. And the, 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 it already been out all over the internet, all over oh, yeah, Twitter, yeah. everywhere. It's been news. And if they, she got the fans in the arena to start chanting, "Thank you, Vince." I thought it was really this kind of kind of shitty how she did it. But they started doing it organically. Then she cut them off, and then she got them to do it again. And as they were chanting that, she goes to the corner camera. I haven't told you guys this yet. She goes to the corner camera, and you can see her mouth the words, I love you, Dad. And I think that it would have been better off if they would have never said a thing about it. Now, the other funny thing that happened on Friday Night Smackdown is Roman Reigns said something to one of the wrestlers who had been affiliated with Vince McMahon as a storyline for the last few months Mm -hmm. and said, hey, your daddy's gone now. <laughs> it was actually really funny. Um, so I, I and, and I'm going to have uh, Hayden Fox going to be on next week, and he and I are going to talk. There's a lot of wrestling shit going on, so we're going to hit the Vince McMahon thing. We're going to talk about Ric Flair's last match, SummerSlam, all that stuff. But, but we're not going to do all that today. Like from a straight humanity standpoint, I feel bad that Stephanie's forced to shill this. Yeah, I, I see where your point is on that. But, she knows, but is it also the job you signed up for? And she's known that this shit has been going on forever. And at what point do you just because, recognize yeah. and say, I understand this is what my dad does. Yeah. Well, but, she's known for years that her parents worked together. Yeah, it's right. not news for her. She's Vince, been a part Vince of the McMahon, organization for a while. Vince McMahon made mention of it on Pat McAfee's podcast. Yeah. So, I mean... He, called, he referred to Linda McMahon as his ex-wife. Nobody, since the origination of WWF, WWE, as it is now, way back in the day, nobody thought he was playing by the rules. We knew he was a bastard. We knew he was playing dirty. We knew he was doing the things that he needed to do Cutting the corners, whatever it was, he was cutthroat in the beginning. That's not news. So the idea that he's being cutthroat in this way is not exactly shocking for him. Yeah. All right, we're going to jump out of here on that note. I'm going to give you the last thing on that. We're going to be out of here. So. Hey, Coach Bo here, back at the uh, now back at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group. 
OAGKS.com. Hey, I hope you enjoyed conversation with uh, Ellen Wingenter, Uncle Rico, Ricardo Gerbellini. You guys know uh, Ellen and Ricardo from their frequent appearances on here. Uh, three old friends having a few drinks and having a couple conversations. A couple of interesting topics I thought would be a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I do want to say thanks to a couple of our sponsors this week. First off is Gold Belly. If you've been with us for a while, you know about Gold Belly, and we're still working with them. They are a great partner to um, everything that we do here at the Coach Bono's podcast. And right now, if you, go, if you use our link in the show notes, you get $25 off your first $50 order at, at uh, Gold Belly, and it is live. The Rock's French Toast is live. Check out the first page, the front page, at Gold Belly, and let them know that we were the ones sent you over by using that uh, link. I also want to thank DoorDash for sponsoring the podcast this week. Uh, Don't forget there's a link in our show notes for DoorDash. You're going to get $10 off each of your first three orders on DoorDash. So check that out. We thank DoorDash for sponsoring the pod this week. We're going to be back on Monday. Um, gonna be have, we're going to be talking a lot of wrestling on Monday's podcast. There's a lot going on. Probably going to be very wrestling heavy with SummerSlam, f- picking up some of the Vince McMahon stuff, as well as uh, some of the other things like Ric Flair's last match and some of the Ring of Honor stuff as well. So we'll check in on that. It'll either be myself and Hayden, uh, or it'll be myself and P Money coming in talking about that. So it'll be a lot of fun to talk about that. Uh, until Monday, we want to say thanks for everybody for tuning in. Uh, I want to say thanks to Tyler Jones, everybody in Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. I'll be back on the Jones Report with Tyler Jones this week, so uh, definitely check that out. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Uh, without you guys, we don't do what we do, and we want to keep this going for you. Don't forget to rate us and review us. The best way you can do that is go to your Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast every single five-star review. So until Monday, I'm Coach Bo Ryan O'Connor. Have a great weekend. Remember your time tokens are not a fun one. Take care, everybody. 